Previously on Pockets, Pockets found himself caught in the middle of a battle between Tuga and the King of Yondra. Pockets managed to keep the minions at bay with his trinkets, but he was soon overwhelmed. But before he could be captured, Petey came to the rescue, and with him were nearly all the citizens of Yondra. The Yondrans, including Cogline and the Coggers, pushed Tuga's army back, but it wasn't until Petey revealed that his egg was actually a dragon that the battle came to an abrupt halt. Everyone, including Tuga and the king, bowed before the majesty of the fabled creature. And now for episode 11, The Coronation. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents The Adventures of Pockets. Oti the dragon circled the castle tower as it made its way down to the main entrance. The citizens of Yondra watched in awestruck silence as it landed gracefully. Smoke curled up from its nostrils. Black scales flared along its back. With a few flaps, it shook the raindrops off its wings. It came to a stop at Petey's side and purred under the platypus's touch. The king had abandoned his bow when the dragon first took flight, and now stood in the far doorway. Retreat! Retreat! he shrieked, beckoning for his porcupine guards and wizards to follow him. But they remained still. What are you waiting for? He has the dragon! We're all doomed! We must flee! No, you must flee, one of the wizards replied. The great magic has spoken with a fiery breath, said the other. We cannot challenge the will of the world. Fine, the king spat furiously as he spoke. Go up in flames for all I care. I hope Yondra burns, all of it. Shooting Petey and his dragon one last piercing glare, he turned to make a run for it. Hold it, Farlin called after him. The great wizard held out his hand. The king froze mid-stride, his furious expression stuck on his face. This no longer belongs to you. Farlin turned his hand, and the king's three-tiered crown floated up off his curly head and glided across the room until it rested in the wizard's hand. He lowered his hand, and the king unfroze, gasping for breath. 
Feeling his head, the king gave them all one last horrified look before disappearing down the hall. There was a long, relieved silence once he was gone. Tuga was the one to break it. How is this possible? He said quietly, his head still in a deep bow. Petey shrugged. I don't know. I do, Pocket said, putting a hand on his friend's shoulder. It was the will of Yondra. Its magic brought the dragon and Petey together. And I can think of no better person to care for such a creature. Where did you find it? Tuga asked, his voice much less menacing than before. I didn't, Petey answered. It found me, I guess. Petey, you're okay! Petey's wife and kids came waddling into the great hall. Penelope! Petey embraced his wife and gave his little platypus children kisses on the head. Did you find a good hiding spot, like I said? Were you out of danger? Your friend, the cogger, she helped us get to safety. Petey and Pockets looked up and smiled when they saw Cogleen standing in the doorway. A dragon, she said with her hands on her little metal hips. It would have been nice to know we were traveling with the great beast of Yondra. She walked over and gave Petey a playful punch in the arm. Pockets looked at her in disbelief. How did you do it? How did you gather all of Yondra so quickly? I didn't. They were already approaching the castle when I made it outside. Apparently word of your quest traveled fast. Pockets looked out the open great hall doors at the enormous crowd gathered outside. Where did the dragon come from, P.T.? Cogleen asked, hesitantly petting Odie's scaly head. I'd like to know the answer to that as well, Penelope said, folding her arms. P.T. shook his head. I'm telling you, I've been carrying this egg with me the whole time. I thought it was our egg. Well, clearly it isn't, Penelope said. So, where is our egg? Pockets and Petey looked at each other for a long moment, trying to figure out how this had all happened. Um... Petey scratched his head. I'll tell you where your egg is, came a voice in the doorway. A giant plucked pink chicken limped into the room, a little platypus gnawing on its leg. Bark, bark? Pockets and Petey's jaws dropped. This is your egg. Bok Bok came to a stop and desperately tried to shake the little platypus off his leg. But the platypus held firm, growling and biting his bill down hard. Oi! Full of excitement, Petey got down on his knees and held out his hands for the little scoundrel. Come here, you. Come to Daddy. Penelope joined him. We've got you, love. Mummy and Daddy are here. The little platypus children bounced up and down and called for their little brother to join them. After giving them a questioning look, the little platypus finally saw the resemblance and stopped biting Bok Bok's leg. He blinked at them with his wandering cuckoo eyes. Mum, mum, Papa? That's right, Petey and Penelope said, holding out their hands. The little platypus looked between Bok Bok and his parents. Then, kicking the featherless chicken in the shin one last time, he ran over and gave his family a hug. We're complete, Penelope cried. 
Tada boy! Petey ruffled his son's fuzzy head. As he pulled away, the little platypus chomped at his fingers. <laughs> None of that now. Poor little guy's been learning his manners from Bok Bok, yes? Bok Bok rubbed his sore leg and scowled at them. You took the wrong egg from my nest. He nodded at Odie. That dragon belongs to me. Petey and Pockets looked at each other in shock. That explains the sulfurous stink, Pockets whispered. And why it got so hot and heavy after we left Bok Bok's village, Petey added. Odie lowered its head and snarled. It snapped its sharp fangs at Bok Bok's outstretched hand. Bok Bok jumped back. Watch it! You're mine, pet! He reached for Oti again, but this time the black dragon cocked its head and roared. A blazing burst of fire engulfed Bok Bok. When it finally went out, Bok Bok was left standing there sizzling and charred. Ouch! Roasted chicken, anyone? Pockets joked. Bok Bok coughed up smoke. <coughs> Fine. I'll let you borrow it. For now. Odie snarled again. For forever, Bok Bok relented. And with that, he stormed out of the Great Hall, wincing at the sight of Tuga. Tuga paid no attention to him. He hailed his low bow. What is my fate, Dragon Hatchers? Many of the Yondrans from outside had now gathered at the entrances, watching and listening closely. They looked between Tuga and the heroes. Throw him in the dungeon, shouted one of the crabbies. Make him sail away and never return, rumbled one of the cave giants. Make him into a soup, shouted a porcupine. Make him into our carriage, shouted a group of coggers. Cogleen shook her head and turned to her friends. We can't do any of those things. Look at him. He knows what he's done is wrong. You can see it in his face. Pockets looked at Tuga's face that was now glancing up at them from his bow. It was still hard and weathered, but it no longer seemed so dark and hateful. It was full of sorrow and shame. I have an idea, Pocket said. He pulled Petey and Coglin into a huddle, and they whispered amongst themselves. The citizens of Yondra waited anxiously to hear their decision. Porcupine guards were leaning in to try and catch a word or two. Even Farland couldn't help but use some magic to eavesdrop. After a couple minutes of quiet deliberation, the three heroes separated. Tuga will live, Pockets announced. Groans rang out in the great hall. And he will not live in a dungeon, but he will live among all of you. Angry rebukes filled the room. Silence! Coglin shouted, and the room went quiet. Tuga stared at them in disbelief. Petey stepped forward. Tuga will live among the people of Yondwa to serve them the rest of his days, and the Yondwins will welcome him into their villages and accept his help. They will show him respect and kindness. He looked at Tuga, whose deep, scaly face was wet with tears. 
as you serve the people of Yondwa, you will grow to love them. Whatever hate is left in you will soon disappear. He looked at the group crammed into the doorways. And you will feel the same. As you show Tuga kindness and give him another chance, your hate for him will disappear. Tuga's first service assignment, Coglin announced, will be among the Coggers in Cogtown. He will repair any damage he has done to the village. The citizens of Yondra stared in stunned silence as Tuga got to his feet, bowed his head once more, and said through quivering lips, Thank you. He started to leave, but stopped just before the entrance and looked back. You know, I think you're gonna need this more than me. Besides, it's getting a little itchy. With a smile, he pulled off his giant turtle shell and slid it across the room to Pockets. Take good care of it. I will, Pockets promised. And with that, Tuga was gone. Petey gave the shell a sniff. <laughs> Pew, it stinks. Coglin elbowed him. It's basically Tuga's sweaty shirt. What do you expect? Pockets ran his hands along it. It's perfect, and now more perfect than ever. Brack the gizzard stepped out of the crowd. The dragon hatchers have spoken. Tell us, heroes of Yondra, with the king gone and Tuga's reign of terror ended, who will lead us? Petey cleared his throat. <clears throat> I hereby nominate my best friend, Pockets, to be our king. It was because of his ingenuity and bravery that we stand here today. Let's hear it for Pockets, Coglin cheered. Cheers and applause shook the great hall. Farlin aimed his hand at the king's crown that rested on the floor, making it float up off the ground and across the room until it rested on Pockets' head. Pockets smiled. He couldn't believe it. He wished his Otis could be here to see this. After a brief moment of relishing the praise, he waved for the crowd to quiet down. Thank you, Petey, but it was your heart and persistence that truly made the journey possible. And it was your nurturing love that brought this dragon into the world. There's no doubt in my mind who the ruler of Yondra should be. He took off the crown and put it into Petey's hand, raising it high in the air. Let's hear it for Petey! The people of Yondra erupted into cheers once more. With a big, silly grin on his bill, Petey held the crown high. Penelope and the platypus kids clapped proudly. Petey nodded and smiled some more, until suddenly, he brought the crown down hard over his knee, breaking it in two. Everyone gasped and watched dumbfounded as Petey tossed the broken crown out the window. We don't need a king, the platypus shouted. What good has a king done us? I say, be done with them. Each village can choose its own leaders, and so long as they rule with peace and love, they can continue to serve. Any leaders who get high and mighty will answer to Odie. Odie snarled and roared up the ceiling, sending a blanket of fire dancing across the stones. After a moment of amazed silence, every yonderin within earshot exploded into cheers. Outside, the Pella pirates who were scavenging the empty battlefield spotted the tossed crown and pounced on it. 
Big Mouth and his crew held it up victoriously and flew off over the trees. What do we do with the castle? Cogline asked Petey back in the Great Hall. Petey shrugged. I don't know. Share it? It can be a gathering place where yonderings can come and west from their troubles. But I got first dibs on the North Tower. I caught a few nights in the garden suite, Cogline quickly added. Pockets gave his turtle shell a pat. I'll stay right here in my fort, thank you very much. What do we do now? said one of the trolls, a finger stuck in her nose. The Yondrins all looked to their heroes for answers. Go home and live in peace, I guess, Petey said. You no longer have to fear Tuga or the king. Pockets stepped forward. Take it from me. Anger is never the solution. A wise man once told me that anger is the fog that clouds up your lighthouse. It's best to blow it away. Blow away your anger, your fear, your troubled past. Instead, be kind to one another. Work together. Embrace your differences. Do this and Yondra will never again fall into darkness. What about the flies of Bog's Deep? cried a voice from the crowd. Did you not hear a word Petey just said? We're not your king, Pockets reminded them. You don't need us to solve all your problems. Confused silence filled the room. How about some friendly advice? Asked one of the giants sheepishly. Pockets, Petey and Cogline looked at each other and sighed. One by one, they took turns giving advice every time a yondrin shouted out a problem. Farlin and his wizards can use their magic to get rid of the flies, they said. The gizzards will help keep the coggers oiled, they responded to another. The coggers will help rebuild the gizzards' hive homes. The crabbies, who are also heroes of Yondra, should have a choice of any beach they want. Bok Bok and the chickens can produce eggs and clothing for all Yondrans in exchange for other goods, so that they no longer need to rely on tolls to pass their bridge. Their bridge should be rebuilt and open to everyone. What about us? rumbled Bongra the cave giant. Do you still need regular offerings of treasure? Pockets asked. Bongra looked at his wife, Hingra, who nodded emphatically at him. Mm, yes, he replied. Then Big Mouth and his Pella Pirates can make regular treasure drops in your pools in exchange for your help building boats. And on the questions went, until the sun set and the only one left seeking advice in the Great Hall was a little porcupine wanting to learn how to whistle. Almost, Pockets told her, you have to tighten your lips just a little bit more, like this. Like this? The little porcupine tightened her lips and whistled for the first time. You did it! I did it! Oh, thank you! Thank you! The excited porcupine pranced out of the great hall, leaving only Pockets, Cogleen, Petey, and his family. Exhausted, the heroes said their goodnights and headed off to bed in the castle. Cogleen settling down in the garden suite, Petey and his family in the North Tower, Odie perched atop the North Tower roof, 
and Pockets jumped into the hammock in the turtle shell that still sat in the great hall. Pockets tossed and turned most of the night, despite the peace and quiet that now filled the castle. Only the chirps of crickets broke the silence. He remembered a time he and Otis slept on the deck of a fishing boat, watching the stars and listening to the chirps of crickets coming from the nearby shore. I love the sound of crickers, Otis had said. Crickers? Pockets looked at him. What's a cricker? That chirping sound, lad. Don't you hear it? Pockets laughed. They're called crickets. Have you been calling them crickers all these years? Oh, what difference does it make? Crickers, crickets, crickety crockers. The name don't matter. It's the sound I love. Just like I love camping out on this boat with ye. Even if it smells like fish? Even if it smells like fish. And stinky boy. I'm not a stinky boy. I took a bath two, no, four days ago. He sniffed himself. (laughs) Oh, I do stink. Otis laughed. No matter, lad, I still love ye. The memory ended and Pockets was left staring at the curved ceiling of his turtle shell. It was hopeless. He was wide awake. The excitement of the day still pulsed in his veins. He hopped out of the hammock and stepped out of the shell into the great hall. It was dimly lit now. Only a handful of torches flickered on the wall. Pockets looked over the piles of weapons from the battle, the burn marks from his fiery banner stunt and the dragon. A few jewels that had been knocked out of the king's crown when Petey broke it glimmered on the floor. Pockets looked at it all and sighed. He walked over to the entrance doors and pushed them open. A wide canvas of stars twinkled over the darkened fields and forest outside. The crickets were much louder now. Can't sleep, came a voice behind him. He turned to see Petey walking over. I can barely keep my eyes closed, let alone sleep, Pocket said. Petey stopped next to him and looked out at the stars. <sighs> Me neither. I'm used to falling asleep to your snores. Why do you not snore? Pockets laughed. Oh, you snore all right. All night. It was brutal at first, but after a while I got used to it. They laughed, but Pockets once again became somber. What is it? Petey asked. Aren't you happy? Happy? Pockets shook his head. I'm glad to be alive, yes, but happy? To be honest, I feel a little lost and a tad disappointed. (laughs) Lost and disappointed? Petey snorted. You got your turtle shell back, you saved Yondwa, and you got to go on your hero quest after all. What more could you want? Well, for starters, Yondwa is your home, not mine. My home is far away from here. I don't even know how to get back. Come on now, we'll help you with that. We've got all sorts of people here willing to get you home. Is that why you're disappointed? Pockets shook his head. No, he hesitated. There was a part of me that thought maybe I'd find my parents here. It felt like we were on their trail, you know? Yeah, 
I kind of hoped that too. But I was a little busy hoping we'd find my family too. And I'm glad we did, Pocket said with a smile. Maybe it was silly of me to get my hopes up. I never knew my real parents after all. The odds of me finding them out here in a magical land is ridiculous. It's not ridiculous. You didn't even know you were from Beyondra before coming here. That's true. And just because they're not here doesn't mean they're not there. Pocket shook the words in his head to try and make sense of them. But wait, what do you mean? I mean, Beyondra is just over that mountain. Your parents are Beyondwins, so why wouldn't you just check there? Pocket stared in shock at the curved mountain that stood dark and blue under the moonlight. Beyondra is just over that mountain? Petey nodded. I talked to Fallen about it earlier. Apparently, the mountain is a bit treacherous on the other side, so the Beyondwin humans don't wander into our world. But you can get there easily. Fallen says he's gone over there many times for holiday. Says their seafood is the best he's ever had. Pockets couldn't believe it. Beyondra was just on the other side of that mountain? He could find his parents after all. He grabbed Petey's shoulders. Petey, that's amazing! I'll go tomorrow! Um, tomorrow? But, but do you have to leave so soon? No time to waste. They could be waiting for me over there. That's true, Petey said as if realizing the possibility for the first time. Are the Krabbies all gone? Pockets could barely contain himself. I, I think they are camping with the gizzards just inside the forest. Excellent. I'll see if they can help me carry the shell over the mountain first thing in the morning. I guess they could do that, sure. Pockets ran back to his turtle shell and immediately started packing. I have so much to do to get ready. I can't believe it, Beyondra! Petey looked at the shell that was rocking around from Pockets pacing inside. Beyondra, he said sadly. The next morning, Pockets was up bright and early. He hadn't slept, of course, but rather spent the whole night cleaning up his shell and making himself presentable for his first meeting with his parents. As soon as the sun beamed through the trees, he marched over to the forest and woke the crabbies in their camp. They were excited to help their friend and happily agreed to carry the shell up the mountain. Gone were the grumbles and groans Pockets had once known them for. Now all they had were words of encouragement. Your parents are going to love you, one of them said. Wait till they hear all that you've accomplished, said another. Their son, a hero. Their enthusiasm was contagious, giving Pockets an extra pep in his step as he tied them to the front of the shell just outside the castle gate. His friends watched him sadly. Well, this is it, Pocket said, tying the last knot. He turned and looked at his friends. Oh, Pockets! Coglean ran over and gave him a hug that nearly knocked the wind out of him. You better come back and visit, she said. <coughs> I'll try, Pockets laughed. You will come visit or I'll send every cogger in Yondra out looking for you. Okay, I'll come back and visit. He pulled back and shook his head at her. You were so worried about not fulfilling your purpose. Now look at you. You not only unlocked the gate for us, but you led your coggers in a victorious battle. 
I'm sure there has never been a Kalki that has done more for the people of Yondra. If Kogleen weren't made of metal, her blushing would have been obvious. It doesn't matter how small you are, Pockets told her. You were clearly made for greatness. Don't ever, ever doubt yourself, even if you get stuck in a hole every once in a while. Kogleen chuckled as she wiped a tear from her shiny cheek. Pockets looked over at Petey, who stood next to his family, tears filling his eyes, his newly found rascal biting his leg. Are you sad to see me go, or are those just tears of pain? Pockets asked with a smile. Both, Petey sniffled. Pockets gave him a big hug. You're a good friend, Petey. The best a boy can have. Thank you for sticking by my side. Wasn't hard. If I hadn't, I would have been a goner. Probably, Pockets laughed. He rummaged through his pockets. Blast! I must have gone through all my trinkets during the battle. I was going to give them to you and Coglin. Petey waved it away. Bah! Trinkets are just junk without you. You promise you'll visit? I promise, Pockets said. And I'll send messages with the pelicans. And you've been to Split Rock, so hopefully you can find your way to me someday. Petey nodded. Someday. <laughs> Pockets gave his friends another hug, said his goodbyes, then hopped on the shell and gave the reins a flick. Coglin, Petey, and his family waved as the crabbies dragged the shell off toward the curved mountain. Up and up it went, over the grassy fields, through the trees, up the slope of the mountain. The crabbies pulled the shell up the steep summit with all their might. Hours later, they came to a stop at a cave just below the mountain's peak. A waterfall from the melting snow cascaded down over its opening. Pockets took out the piece of paper with Farland's directions and struggled to read the wizard's scribble. Carefully slime through the waterfall. Don't run through it? Slime? He looked at the waterfall, confused. I think he meant to write, slide, said one of the crabbies. Or sublime, suggested another. How do you sublime through a waterfall? The crabbies were starting to argue. It, it must be slide, Pockets interrupted. He untied the crabbies from the shell. I'll hop in and you give me a push through the waterfall. The crabbies agreed bunching together behind the shell while Pockets climbed back in and held on. He could hear the crabby's grunts over the rushing of the waterfall as the shell slowly slid closer and closer. Mom, Dad, he whispered, I'm coming. The waterfall filled his view outside the shell opening. It splashed over the top and then, shoom, the shell pitched down and slid into darkness. Whoa! Pocket's stomach dropped as the shell slid through the dark tunnel. It turned from side to side and nearly went upside down a few turns. One last drop and whoosh! The shell slid out the other end of the cave onto a slope of beautiful green grass. Gradually, the shell came to a stop and Pockets peeked out, squinting at the sunshine. He was surrounded by a meadow of wildflowers. He climbed out and looked behind him. There, up the grassy slope, hidden by shrubs, was the other side of the cave. And above that was the mountain, its 
curved top looking menacing and impossible to climb, just as Petey had said. He turned and looked in the other direction. Down the hill in the distance was a little seaport village. He could hear the bells of the fishing boats. He could see the wood shanties. He could hear the cries of seagulls and feel the mist from the waves crashing against the rocks. There, moving among the streets, were people. People that looked just like him. Rocketeers, hope you enjoyed that episode of Pockets. We've got one more episode until Pockets is done. I think one more episode. I'll have to go back and check. I think it's one more episode, so make sure you don't miss it. That season finale is coming your way soon. One of the things I wanted to bring up from this episode is kind of a small moment, and I know I usually focus on these small moments, but I still think it's important, is the decision that the heroes made in regards to Tuga's fate, right? Everybody else wanted Tuga to pay. Tuga had done so many bad things and made Yandra such a nasty place, although clearly he wasn't the only reason it was becoming so bad. The king was not the greatest person either. But people were very angry with Tuga. And you know what? Listening to the story, you think they have good reason. But what did Petey, Coglin, and Pockets decide to do? They decided to let him go. They decided to forgive him. He did have to help all the villages and try to make all of his wrongs right, but they forgave him. And I love that lesson. I think it's so important, Rocketeers. I've said it before in stories, and it might have been in a life episode before, but I want to reiterate this. It's so important, Rocketeers, that we are quick to forgive. That's not easy to do. It's easy to get mad at somebody. It's easy to be angry and react when somebody does something that really upsets you. But it's hard to forgive. And we need to do the hard thing, Rocketeers, and be quick to forgive others. We need to love and be kind to everybody around us, even when it's not easy, whether it's a family member, maybe it's a brother or sister that's getting on your nerves. Maybe you're mad at mom and dad about something or a friend or whoever. It is important to forgive and to move on because you know what happens when you don't forgive? A dark storm cloud hangs over you. It just follows you everywhere you go. And the best way to clear up that cloud and bring in some sunshine is to forgive. And likewise, it's important to be quick to say sorry. We've talked about that a lot. So be quick to say sorry, to sincerely apologize, and be quick to forgive, to say, it's okay, I forgive you. And that's really important. So that was my personal favorite part of that episode. And I hope you guys enjoyed it too. I want to thank my mom, Roxanne Webb, as always, for helping me edit the story. And Jeremy from HarmoniousIdeas.com for helping edit the audio. And all of the amazing patrons that have gone to Patreon.com slash Purple Rocket Podcast and are supporting the show. Huge, huge thank you. Patrons, you're amazing. If you want to become a patron, 
like I said, go to patreon.com slash purple rocket podcast. You can sign up there and get some extra stories and just above all else, you're helping out. So thank you. Rocketeers, you're amazing. Please keep those reviews and feedback coming. I appreciate all the five-star reviews you've been leaving lately on Spotify and Apple podcasts. It's helpful. I appreciate it. And I love that we're all coming together over some stories. It's the best and using our imaginations. Till next time, this is your host, Greg Webb.